0: on today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: I was taking new steps and leaps forward as my business was growing. And I would say that that internal inertia is something you can't can't teach a person, you can't put it inside of them. And if it's there, you must listen to it and make that the loudest voice in your mind.
0: You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life. But Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm your host, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I have a treat, a queen coming to the King stage, Mawanna Dixon. Welcome. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks. How are you?
0: You know, I'm incredible. We were just talking about some different life experiences off, off air that bring us bring us joy. And so I think we're going to have a great conversation here and, and maybe get a couple of smiles through the, through the process. Moana, what, what type of business do you have?
1: Well, I am a furniture designer, maker, and manufacturer. My focus on textile and leather particularly is my, is my skilled craft. So okay. I'm not a woodmaker, but I do work with finished craftsmen and you know, guys who do iron and welding. And then I create all the really delicious soft parts that your body comes in contact with or full size pieces that are just made of textile or leather.
0: Yeah. I love how you described it as delicious. That makes me think of my wife describing my, my, my children, you know, through the different stages of life, how they're delicious, but you're hundred percent right. It's like that, that, that feeling that you get where you just, it just, you want to squeeze it maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, when you're on a long journey or you just had a long day and the only place that you need and want to go is home and you want to face plant into that one thing. I make those yeah. things, the face plantable it. specific items that you just, you need that pillow. You got to hop on that couch. You need that one thing and that's your comfort zone. That's yeah. kind of your
0: foundation. Yeah, I'm, I think, I think that the listener can pick up already so much and I, I'm going to try to do my best to delineate uh, language here throughout the show, but, but, what you're what you're dialing into is just something so specific and but but as you said that every person that heard it goes yep i know exactly what she's talking about i got that one that one place that i like to sit repeatedly and i like to cuddle up with that one little thing and so you hit on several things you hit on the emotion you hit you were very very specific and so did you did you have that right away when you started this journey? Did that come over the course of time? Like, how did you have such clarity to that?
1: Ironically, I had my own COVID long before COVID happened. And I think life kind of happens that way for most of us. I had been, I was a VP of sales in the wine spirits industry. I'd been, you know, building my career in that arena for about 18 years at the time. And we, you know, I, I worked on startup brands and built them into acquisition and the brand that I was working on, we had a tragedy and overnight the founder of our company, who also was bringing in all of our financing, died in a car accident. So as one of the top paid people you know, in the organization, in order to keep my team, I, along with most other members, went down to half pay, but mine was pretty substantial. And being in my home and those feelings of frustration and just you needed something to change. It was one of those pivot moments that I thought was completely really related to my professional career as it was at that time. And I was just trying to figure out how to change my mood. And the thing that I did was I probably at a COVID hour of the day with bottle of wine in hand, opened up a closet and found all of these textiles that I had collected from all of these incredible trips that I'd taken abroad into developing countries where I I gathered these beautiful hand-woven things that these tribes women have made. And I was going to make something for myself. Well, today was the day. So I ended up making a set of pillows. I just, that for me was a game changer in my space. And my neighbor came up and said, these are so incredible. Have you considered selling these on Etsy? And I said, what in the world is Etsy? And a small introduction later, and I I listed the pillows that I had made for myself. And I think it was like maybe $1,500 worth because they were really expensive vintage textiles that I just had, you know, cherished. And I thought, okay. Yeah. That was cool in a couple of days. I could do that. I can start with squares. And so I started making pillows yeah. and the thing about pillows is everybody knows, I'm sure your wife has so many of them. You just don't get it. But yes. the two things is that they, they do really shift to space. It's the quickest and easiest way to, to kind of change your home environment. You can move them between a bedroom and a living room and the kids rooms and whatever. But those are the things that support your body. Those are the things that you rely on to lean on and lean into and to support you and give you rest. And as I kind of, I really was trying to unpack and consider the value of what that physical item is and does, and kind of how long throughout history, it's been an available piece of just a home environment in one way, shape, or form, or the other. And the importance and the value of that just really started to rise for me. And so I founded my company, basically that week, based on kind of the premise and foundation that this aha that I had, that this one thing really shifted my environment, shifted my mood, and eventually shifted my life was a, a good starting point for me. And I spent the following years just learning how to sew the best kind of square to get the best kind of fills, you know, handmade here in Los Angeles. And I just really, yeah, I really focused on it as kind of a primary foundation point for everything that I did. I feel
0: like you could write a whole philosophy book on pillows. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know that's kind of funny maybe you could but yeah it's the bottom line is you know and you have kids too whatever happens in the morning and that that home environment and at the end of the day sets up the yeah. stage for everything else that you do outside of that environment and I I just yeah. I that was kind of really what I was fine tuning in into essentially was Setting a platform and now post COVID, I think you know that was something that became so present to people.
0: Oh yeah, and
1: which was great because my business did very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you've found exactly what you're made for. Like literally the switch and and what it did for your life and and obviously your business has grown and as you've changed other people's lives. But just the foundational perspective of business, how you leaned into something so functional, where a lot of people are like, oh, it's just you know. I don't know how to do it or, or the, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to sell these or there's millions of pillows. I, I, what, how could mine be any different? Like so many reasons why you shouldn't have. And, but yet you did anyway. And so I think that part of the story is just as juicy, you know, from, from an entrepreneurial perspective of looking in, going, wow, like pillows. I mean, who would have, who would have known, who would have thunk. And so, um, the I guess my question for you, which is the same as every guest, and I'm going to try to weave this into our current conversation here, but why, why not why pillows, because you've already given us that, but why are you still pushing now? Like You've gone through COVID, your business has exploded. Is it still about what you just said, the clarity that you have around bringing this, this restoration to this, this piece of people's lives? Or is it more than that now? Or is it different? How has that changed?
1: I'm going to try to answer this without giving too much away. Obviously I've matured and grown tremendously. It's been seven years since I started my company, but the, and I have a a really incredible, I think possibly I have a very cool product that I am project that I've been working on developing for the last couple of years that ends and begins in a sustainable kind of closed loop system but okay. I can't give you too many details because. Um,
0: okay. I, You're going to leave yeah. us cliffhanging. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. My first round of financing on this one, developing something that could possibly be very game-changing and wow. deliver that same sentiment to people, especially in developing countries or in war times, like the things that we're seeing in a very rapid, sustainable and reusable manner, if you will. So I, wow. I've really, I've really leaned even more into the ethos of of where the identity that I began, the fingerprint of my company. But most importantly, I was reading a book at the time when I started my company, that was a complete disruptor. It was something that landed parallel to my fault line in my life professionally and personally. And it was this book by a gentleman by the name of Erwin McManus called The Artisan Soul. And okay. he has one sentence in there that is just tattooed on my heart forever. He says, one who has created and um, is one who's created creates basically that that's the imprint of of intelligent design and creates and continues to evolve. But creation is the identity of the core human ethos, if you will, and and his perspective and debatable in a whole bunch of different ways in different contexts. But if you just kind of strip that down to the one foundational point of what we all do have in common, even if you're an accountant, you create magic with numbers. If you're, you know, If you're a chef, you can create magic with food and with a steak, you know, or pastry or whatever it is. In every single capacity, what the human being and brain has created out of absolutely nothing is probably the most powerful enterprise that any of us can actually step into. And I think there have been so many times, I don't think, I know, there have been so many times that I've just wanted to quit. I've been so frustrated. It's just pillows, it's just someone's house, it's just, you know, whatever. And The thing that does continue to drive me is what else would I do? And sure, there are a lot of other things that I could do for money, but I am intended to do something more with my hands, with my life, and with my brain than just you know be a recipient of you know of a system that doesn't necessarily edify what I'm supposed to do.
0: Yeah, that was kind. I mean, I I, no, no, it, it. I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. Just a. Uh, a beautiful set of words there of what entrepreneurialism is. I would say every entrepreneur at some stage in their career it starts off as, you know, maybe I'm pissed at the man and I want to go do my own thing, or maybe it's out of out of a curious state where it's like, hey, let me go see what what might be able to happen here with these pillows. But it, it, it begins, and then there's this journey of like we're, we got to really iron it out, we got to really want it. But then to your point, we determine or we can find if you're looking for it the, the greater purpose. And so I just appreciate you sharing that even more. So the, 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 we're created to create a hundred percent. We are, every entrepreneur is creating something or uh, we were just off, off the air talking about my wife. And it's like, that's what we do. We, we create, we created humans, you know, like other humans, yeah. ah, you know, like this is what we do. Yeah. So I think you're spot on, you know, I just, I, I finish up. I, I reread thinking grow rich every, every fall, mm-hmm. every September, generally. And so, nice. I mean, what, yeah, it's like, this is exactly what it is. When we press into the limitlessness of whatever it is that we can create, it's just such, it's such a big thing that a lot of people kind of run from it because it's so big and vast. What would you chime in with that? You know, on that topic there.
1: The thing that comes to mind to me is always the right brothers. And I'm sure you, ever, you know the story and everybody probably knows the story pretty well and simply, but I think they were bicycle makers. They were, they were doing all of these other things essentially professionally other than building airplanes. And there was another gentleman who was well-financed. These guys had no money. They built their planes. They took them up. They always had crash materials on hand, which would be terrifying for a wife most likely, but they failed continuously and they were, there was maybe another person and probably somebody somewhere else on the planet was probably thinking the same thing at the same time. So that's always kind of something that I remind myself when I'm watching other people doing things that are similar to what I'm doing and, or with other similar companies, I don't ever look at them as competition, but as a driver, because everything that exists was born out of something that did not exist. And by one or two man's perseverance, and the other thing is that it usually isn't just one man that succeeds on his own, it's usually someone with another partner. But no. there were two men that elected to envision something being real and had very little resources and finances to actually make it happen, were willing to kill themselves to do it, which is what entrepreneurship, for me, at points, this <laughs> felt like, but they could yeah. not do it, and they continued until they succeeded. Yeah. And that didn't necessarily mean monetary success, but it meant the that the core mission of their souls' journey at that time was to be that that was their fingerprint and mark on on human history, on this human experience, and shifting it for everybody else because they just showed up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what comes to mind when you, when you kind of start, I have that conversation with myself and my pep talk often includes that environment of communication because my little monkey brain will say everything other than what I just shared with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so true, but you're also right. in what you just shared is that in those moments, what you have to do is remind yourself of those, those other stories, the inspirational stories, or this, this thing that I'm stuck in now, it's no different than what I accomplished. Then I can do this. And so I just appreciate that, that perspective.
1: I've heard there are people who do get lucky, but I think most people would probably say, well, what looked like luck to you was five years of something else, but
0: yeah. That's right. And in business seven years, you know, COVID could have swung the business the other way, but instead it was this lightning rod of people being in their homes and wanting their space to be upgraded. And I'm sure that was, you just, you were in the right place, right time doing the right thing. And I think a lot of people benefit from the quote unquote luck, but years of work positioning yourself before that. I want to transition <laughs> yeah. a little bit to your, your business decision-making. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry if there's a little delay here, we're having this huge storm in Kansas city right now. So I'm not sure Uh-oh. if if this recording here at all, but a good decision that you made something that you would do do over and over again, it really, really worked out for you. Let me
1: think for one split second. You know, the only thing that I would say is I just went for it. I would I would say that's probably part of my personality, but the one thing that I would encourage in any conversation that I have with any entrepreneur who says, well, you know, I have this thing that I want to do and I'm waiting for the right time or I'm hoping to get this money or this thing. I just say, stop. I interrupt you like hand in your face, please. You have to stop. All of this is defeating all of the energy that you have towards something that is, that's being birthed inside of you. Listen to that, that thing that says go balls to the wall. You don't have everything that you need. You just barely showed up by the skin of your teeth. That's the thing that I think you need to hold on to and be energized by that. I would say being too afraid to just go for it when I didn't, I didn't have anything. And it wasn't, it was out of need, but it was also out of a, my soul's hunger. So there was something else that was louder than all of the language of, I don't have this, and I don't have that. And there were often times that that, that same conversation would come back into play as I was taking new steps and leaps forward as my business was growing. And I would say that that internal inertia is something you can't you can't teach a person, you can't put it inside of them. And if it's there, you must listen to it and make that the loudest voice in your, in your mind.
0: I mean, again, your, your word choices are so eloquent, but it's so scary. Moana, like, I like, I don't know. And, and the, ro- the road is uncertain. It's so scary.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, I guess that is exactly what you're here for. And again, kind of going back to, and I think one of the things that Erwin McManus says in this book, Artisan Soul, was he talks about just an old story about pulling a man going into battle and having a quill full full of arrows. And he says something to the effect of, if your life, if your agenda is to, to get through this thing, do you want to die with all of the arrows or any arrows left in your quill? Or do you want to pull everyone out and actually at least let it go? At least pull back as hard as you can and aim for a target. You may miss, you probably will. And I would probably summise it best in the words of Les Brown, who says, live full, die empty. Just yeah. do all of the things. And I think that the holding back, that's, that's again, a personal journey and concept for everyone to unpack themselves. But yeah. I would say that is, that's the, the, the bottom line, is just to go for all of the things. That's what you're here for. I mean, that's life. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It is. And I think that, you know, even for somebody listening today who has maybe a smaller business, they haven't gotten to some of the maybe markers that you have. I still think that that message is for them. They jumped originally, they took the leap. But what I have found is that you have to continue to jump and leap and saying, because that initial go for it, that, that inertia that you're talking about is on the inside of us that can't train or teach or deposit into somebody. You have to continually like resurface that because- all the circumstances around us, especially when you jump and initially try to go after what that looks like for you. There's all these circumstances that start pressing it back down. And so what would you say to the person listening right now? That's like, Oh, I I get it. I feel it. But like, it's, it's down in there. I haven't like scratched that in a minute. What would you say to that person?
1: I would say two things. Number one, you're right. Those feelings do come back. So it isn't a one-time journey and, and it is not a rite of passage. But if I can take you or every all of us back to being a kid, and you told me that you have little girls, and I'm imagining there was a time when your daughter maybe wanted to jump off of a chair or you know a, three steps that were higher, and she was afraid, and you encouraged her to go, and she she leapt into your arms, and you caught her safely, hopefully.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was always the kid. This was the one time, you know, just, just one yeah. time. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, I was the kid always jumping, and my dad sometimes did not catch me. However, the thing that happens, the little, those butterflies and that joy that she gets in her tummy and she begins to trust. And those jumps become a little bit more, you know, they become greater and more adventurous and that excitement. If I could just remind you of what that feels like, because we've all gone through those things in life. And those two words that I would, that I would put together and encourage you to exchange with one another. I am afraid to what you really are is excited because this is something you haven't done before. And the excitement is going to continue to come back because this journey is going to continue to evolve. And as it does, the jumps and the leaps that you're going to be expected to take will be greater and far more risky and things get so much more complex. But the reward and that feeling and that joy and that in that in that part where you leap down becomes greater and better as well at the same time. And fear is another way of convincing ourselves that we are incapable of doing something we haven't done. And being excited reminds us that there are always things we haven't done. I I don't know what's going to happen in this conversation three minutes from now. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow as much as I could plan. So going back to my first sentiment, you have to go for it and learn to trade out words that hold you back with words that encourage you.
0: Yeah, so good. I think uh, I think the listeners already gotten all that they came for if they've been paying attention even a little bit. They should probably go back and listen to this again. And definitely not for the things that I've said. You've been incredible. Okay, so what it's, about a bad decision? What 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 did you do that was just like, ah where do we begin? Yeah, seriously. This
1: could be my my own Esther Pearl podcast. I have no idea. There's just so <laughs> you know, I I look at it this way now, knowing what I do know about business. I did two things I think very just unwisely. One of the things was I did finance my business hundred percent. I, I put it on my own credit cards and things like that. And I didn't know about grants. I didn't I didn't want to sure. take someone else's money. I, that was also a fear element. I didn't yeah. know whether or not someone should put their money and invest in me. Looking back tax-wise and as you start understanding your books and the nature of your business, um, I also didn't pay myself for the first. And I didn't file my, co- my corporate taxes until like two years in as well. So I was a late- <laughs> Late learner on that lesson. Yeah. The one thing you cannot write off is your time, but you can write off yeah. everybody else's time and everything else that you pay. And I think just the technical details of, of business and the financial nature, those things, as I've learned to understand them now at this point, were just technical mistakes that, that were maybe kind of my, it was technically my sophomore run to business, but things that I would really encourage a person to, to not do is try to find grants. There's so much money available and out there, especially for female entrepreneurs and especially right now post-COVID for startups and enterprises that are doing, you know, from creative to technical endeavors. There's money on the table for every kind of business and in individual pockets. It's not like you would be fighting with me for, let's say, a podcast or an app in my space. We might be fighting for a marketing, you know, grant, but they're really geared towards, specific types of businesses. And there's just so many resources. The internet is just a gold mine and you just have to have the fortitude to go and dig. So I would say, look for money because it's there. If that's one of your fear elements and uh, yeah. And make sure that you value your time. And especially because if you don't, nobody else will.
0: Yeah. I, the the IRS. (laughs) Exactly. The phrase that you just said there, you can't write off your time. You can write off what you pay though, through other people, which is an incredible mindset shift. I think that the listener right now, generally speaking, pre seven figures doing a lot themselves. And I hope that that hit home for them. Cause I can even tell in your face right now that you were remembering some of those moments or years, like it was for me, all the things I was doing myself
1: (laughs) years. And then all the things you say, why would I pay someone to do that at this price when I could do it myself? Right. And you really just have to put the value proposition on the table. What is my time worth? And you really actually have to calculate what could I, and the way that it works for me is what could I do in one hour? If nobody bothered me, if nobody called me, if I had one hour to generate income or to find money, I could apply for three grants online. I could reach out to five clients. I could have three phone calls technically that took 15 minutes or make 15 phone calls of follow-ups in order to generate money and bring resources back in. And depending on whatever it is that you do, that could be between, let's say in one hour, I could possibly like very easily generate, let's say a grant. Right. Or even if that's $500 or $250, that now becomes the marker of what I charge per hour in my mind, in my mind bank. Right.
0: Yeah, for, for yourself. And so therefore anything less than that, you, you can't hire you for that task.
1: Yes. And unfortunately that. You know, has I've also had to earn my my wage as my time has gone on. But even if it's just a hundred dollars, whatever that is, because nobody just has money to burn and throw away. And especially when you're starting a business, that's the last thing that you have to burn. And but your time, if you just think about how to, you know, how to kind of say, okay, instead of running this errand, could I possibly send an Uber to pick it up or all the other things that you can do, the task rabbits and all the little small fee things that add 10% or 15%, those are the things that I always go for every time.
0: Yeah. I mean, so in essence, my the, time. exactly. The solution that you're really giving to the, to listener, no matter how big or small or how many resources they have is if you particularly the entrepreneur can do something in lieu of this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's where a lot of breakdown and mindset comes for entrepreneurs is they think, well, if I hire this, I, I, I have time for that. I'll just do it myself and you go right. no, a no, no, pause. If you weren't doing this could you go make the sales call or follow up with a client or strategic partner or a pot or whatever the action is in that moment that's benefiting you at a bigger scale potentially that is what you go do you don't you don't go sit on the couch you don't go take a vacation you don't just spend the money to have somebody else do it for you you leverage the higher you know activity that only maybe you can do or maybe that you're better suited for would you would you add anything or would you agree with that
1: yeah, and I would say sometimes in those moments, you're so overwhelmed and stressed that even if you've had an hour, you're just not productive with it. But if you can, yeah, it's true. If that's the case, because I've been there a lot, especially during COVID when getting employees and all the supplies and everything was breaking down, there were yeah. often times when I just had to unplug what was going on in my life. And, you know, I, I, the cool thing about the internet is like I, everybody, you get to spend time with the greats. So I would unplug and I would, go onto YouTube and I would listen to a great podcast or a Ted talk and I would reset my mind frame. And I, and sometimes, you know, as of late, things are always challenging. I've had to do that maybe two or three times a day. And if I can't actually get in the place of working out or meditating, that's, that's the third thing on my list is to feed my brain something that my subconscious will pick up and reframe how I go about everything that happens after that one hour.
0: Yeah. 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 I might add in there too, maybe adding a a, a nap with some great pillows, you know?
1: And then, and then there's that. You should definitely face plant Superman style into your bed. Yeah.
0: That's right. right. Okay. What process do you have now around decision-making? Obviously you've been uber successful in all of this. We've talked about some of your mistakes and some of the good choices. What does the decision look like for you in today's world?
1: And funny enough, I I use uh, Tim Ferriss's fear setting process a lot. So I have to write things down. And I'm a really, I'm very much a perfectionist and and just a highly competent person in in a lot of areas. And I expect that all of those areas are excellent. So you could probably say that I come with a sidecar of overachiever and anxiety. And so (laughs) for me, I will without create massive storylines around. all of the worst case scenarios and spiral completely out of control in a matter of 15 to 20 minutes, if left alone with my problems. And what I learned from Tim Ferriss, if you haven't seen his Ted talk, it's a short 15 minutes, but he basically just plays. What if, and you write it down on paper, what's the worst, what's the problem that I have give me two or three possible worst case scenarios. And what if one or all of those things happened? Is there any possible recovery from that? And Also, so what? And I think what you do kind of boil down to at the end of this exercise is that more often than not, most of these things are so what, or they're pushing me to do something uncomfortable. Like during COVID, I had vendors that I just simply could not pay. And I had to, the anxiety of calling them or not paying them was 10 times harder than just picking up the phone and saying, Mario, I know that you have a family on business and everybody's going through stuff. I can't pay you but I'm telling you that I will. And I don't know when that is. And they continued to let me borrow, if you will, some goods and supplies that I needed, which I didn't expect. They said, it's just enough that you called, you know, do you need anything today? And sure, you know, enough I did. And I was able to get some of the things that I needed, but only because I actually had to write it down on paper because I, I already felt that I burnt the bridge in the relationship. That was what yeah. I was buying into my story. But when I actually mapped the story out, the worst case is, you know, it ends up in collection somewhere. And at the end of the day, so, but if I wanted to preserve the relationship, was there anything I could do to mitigate and, or to do better? And almost every single time there was, and also almost every single time, the worst case scenario kind of ended in. So what I'll survive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to kill me. I cannot tell you how, how quality of an answer that is. Um, we have some incredible guests on the show here. We're over 200 at this point, but the reality of that answer, and I'm not just tooting your horn here. I, I listen to a lot of very successful people and, and I've asked that same question to a lot of people and a lot of great answers. One of the best answers I've heard. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, okay. Let's go to the speed round.
1: Okay.
0: And uh, in the speed round, first, I want to know about your tracking. There's lots of things to track inside your business, but yeah. if you can only pick one that you track forever and ever, what would that one thing be? Cost of goods. Ooh, okay, and why? What does that What does that do for you with the rest of the story? If you know that one piece of information,
1: it gives me absolute flexibility in times of difficulty to be able to lower my prices and generate greater income by and or creating products for the masses versus elite. It allows me to flex, and you know how to very like very quickly.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that's really the the point of that question is to know whatever that trackable metric is for you to be able to when you know it. Like, how do I adjust quickly? How do I make the move? How do I win today, tomorrow? Mm-hmm. That might look different. Yes, um, completely. So.
1: And it always does, especially if there's anything the last few years has taught us. You, you need to know where you can you know, carve some fat and enjoy the fat when you can get it.
0: Yeah, that's right. What book would you recommend for a six-figure business owner specifically, if you can?
1: Very simply, for every human being who I think should be a six-figure business owner, The Four Agreements. That's my book that I read every year, over and over okay. and over.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so why, what, what's your, what's your main takeaway from that book?
1: Even just starting at the beginning, just the power of your words. I think we've talked a lot about that, how powerful language is and how much it'll influence and change everything that you do operating th- with integrity just means that people are crappy in business more often than not doesn't mean you should be. And just because yeah. the, the guy that looks like he's cheating you down the street looks like he's more successful than you are. You die with yourself at the end of the day. And so I think just honoring some of those fundamental, you know, core values and always doing your best without question also doesn't mean my, my best is actually my best. Sometimes my best is just my best today. And yeah. you got to You really just have to learn to honor those things and just powerful.
0: Yeah, no, it's super powerful. And, and also it gives you space to be where that is today. And then also permission to, to yeah. do a better tomorrow. There's a double sword there. That's incredible. Okay. What, what's, um, what do you think about intentionally networking? or masterminding with other entrepreneurs?
1: Absolutely. I just started a new group with four of my closest and here in Los Angeles. It's especially now a lot of people I've worked from my home for pretty much my entire career, but now in a creative environment and especially post COVID, I think a lot more people do understand this. You, You end up just talking to yourself kind of most of the time, even if there are people sure. that are your employees, sometimes they're just, they're younger. They're not necessarily in your same mindset. I think it's imperative, even if you can't or don't have a mastermind group, like I said earlier, you can hang out with the masters all day. It's a one-way conversation, but on the YouTube and you yeah. can have great yeah. friends now, like Oprah and the Tim Ferrises and, and all these other people that you can actually listen to. But I yeah. think it's bar none, one of the most important things. I think your network really is your net worth and the exchange of ideas is one of the most important things that we can do as humans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that exchange of ideas, at least from my experience, personally, I value it, obviously just because I've grown to know the value of it, but the person listening here, like right to you right now and hearing, oh, the value of the exchange of ideas. Oh, okay. Well, like it sounds cool, but like, what does that really do for me? Because you and I, over the course of time, you're around one person, you watch one video and it goes ding, and it changes, it shifts something so large in your business. And it wasn't even necessarily the idea sometimes, but it was that thing that you heard or that idea that he or she was doing. And then it just correlated some things for you in your business and it made a shift for you. Maybe speak to that right now for that person who's like, I've never experienced that. I don't know what you're talking about. Sounds nice.
1: What I would say is one of the gals that's in my my mastermind group, and again it's a very small circle. She always says, as I'm explaining a problem or a situation, even if I do my Tim Ferriss thing, I'll say, well, here's my what I'm working with and what I'm up against and she'll always say, is there a third door? And the reality is, is that when another person is outside of the problem and can address, or even encourage you to think of something differently, it can change absolutely everything. And the reality is, is that most of our problems are not just our problems. We sort of all recreate a lot of the same things in different ways, based on, you know, whatever the foundational kind of like core issue is. But the thing is, is that We are so much more alike. And the truth is, is somebody has gone through that same issue and has resolved it and or has resources and or might say, you know, I actually have, I just went through that and I have the perfect, you know, setup for it. And I have the the person that can help you through that or whatever the issue is. There's just, it's, I think that really finding community in one way, shape or form, even if to your point, it's just listening to something again because you don't have community in the moment. I say, I would think that that's the most valuable thing that any person can do in any business enterprise without fail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got to press in even the, where the mastermind idea comes from. You, you've got YouTube or we've got YouTube now, but in thinking, grow rich, he had to do it in his mind, you know? Right. And so we, we can at least create some sort of relationship with the Oprah's and the Tim Ferrisses, like you said, via YouTube. And so there's this incredible opportunity that, that today's entrepreneurs have even by listening to a podcast like this. And so they can create these moments of ha and to be able to go uh, implement. If you only had one hour to work on your business each week, one hour each week, and you run it successfully like you do now, what would you do in that one hour to successfully run your business?
1: I would. You know, I didn't actually think about this one and all the questions that you've asked. The first thing that came to mind is actually, and I think I said it earlier already, what I would do in that one hour. I would either, depending on my mood, if I was like really like pumped up, I would do that exact thing where I would sit down and I would say, how can I generate X amount of dollars in one hour? Go. And I kind of, I would sort of like mind bet myself. I'd be like, okay, if I do this, then I could do A, B. And if it's just, I'm having a really rough day and I'm not motivated to do that, I would go in the opposite direction, hundred percent towards the self-care and feeding my, my brain body so that I can show up more effectively on the back end of that hour.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Okay, last question, Moana. If you could whisper in the younger Moana's ear, what would you say?
1: I would say you've survived a hundred percent so far. You're going to survive a hundred percent of everything else. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah.
0: No stress, no anxiousness, no worry.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, if I could think about that a little bit more, I would probably say that you have, you're, you're greater than you. You're greater than you allow yourself to believe just go for great. Yeah. And I, I would yeah. say that just all of the, the stresses of life and all the challenges and all of the things that do confront a, a business owner or, or person in general, it's so easy for us to be our own worst enemy. And to think, uh, how I'm not going to survive this and this, or I'm not going to be able to start a business if I don't have all of these things. And if you just take the greatness proposition that you're here for a reason and that may and will change and evolve as you continue to go, but go for that. Yeah. versus the the smaller end of the spectrum i would always encourage myself to do that
0: you've been created and- what are you creating
1: sorry could you say that again
0: <clears throat> i said you've been created what are you creating to to take to take some words from The great Moana Dixon.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. Well, I believe that I am creating a more sustainable way for the human body to experience the proposition of rest, just like I shared with you. After food, clothing, housing, every single person inside of that house, even if it's a shack, needs a place to put their body. And I think that rest and restoration is the other primary function of a home and what prepares us to go out inside out to the world. So it is my personal belief system that every person, everybody deserves to rest and have a place to do that. So I am working on creating and shifting, like I said, some part of our, our global perspective on how we make those things at what prices and, and what they're made out of and that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I, I have in thoroughly enjoyed our time. How can the listener connect with you? Whether they, they want to buy some incredibly handmade designer pillows and other pieces that you're making, or maybe they want to jump in on this sustainable, international, global <laughs> movement that you're on, or, or maybe they're just a, a, an entrepreneur that wants to pick your brain a little bit more. How can they find you?
1: Well, my website is huntedfox.co. I think com gets you there anyway, but you can reach out to me through our website. And of course, we're on the, you know, the Instagrams and all of the other fun things. But, you know, and I would say that we, I do make a lot of accessible products as well. Not just all designer and overpriced, but, but they are all made by hand here in Los Angeles. So we've kind of got a lot of great stuff and definitely a lot of, I, I I tend to design for men a lot in most of my projects. And so I have a lot of really cool masculine stuff too. So it's a great place. Very
0: cool. Well, I have a, I have a, an upstairs loft that's, that has some elk and deer and a pool table. And that's, that's about it. Like I need some major help. <laughs> so I'm going to be checking out the website. Maybe I'll be texting you on some ideas. Maybe we can get some of your products in in the man loft over here.
1: <laughs> I sure hope that you do. It's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Well, you've been absolutely a blessing here today. I think for many people, I think that, that uh, the lives that'll be changed, that seems so surreal that through a podcast, somebody could be changed, but you gave some, some honest, very, very good stuff here today. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll put all your connections and stuff in the show notes so that people can easily find you and connect you to you. And we just wish you nothing but success. Blessing on your trip coming up. And of course, all of your business and your team. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so, so much. It was a really great conversation. I appreciated it and enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there,